Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guests today, Haley Deneen and Lana Van Brunt, they are co-CEOs and co-founders of Sackville & Co. and Sackville Studios. We're going to talk about the world of cannabis. We're going to talk about the world of branding. We're going to talk about the world of product. We're going to talk about some... I think quite interesting aspects of segmentation are kind of the segments inside cannabis that are kind of growing and shifting. I think one of the fascinating parts of cannabis is not only the growth of the industry, but the growth of who is really engaging in cannabis products and cannabis brands and how that's kind of evolving and shifting over time. Obviously, as socially, we're continuing to kind of grapple with, adopt, evolve cannabis, and that's causing really kind of interesting opportunities and, and sometimes interesting challenges inside the cannabis space. So we're going to talk about all those. We're going to talk about what they're seeing in the market, what they're seeing in the world of design and cannabis, and excited for this. So with that, Haley, Lana, welcome to the program. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Before we kind of dig into everything we're doing today, let's get a little history on the two of you and history of the company. Who would like to kind of start? I'd love to hear a little bit of the personal history and, and weave that into how you guys got together, collaborated, and sort of the backstory of Sackville. 
So uh, my background is actually in design and fashion design. So originally I, I definitely had my eyes set on more of the high luxury fashion space. I studied fashion design in London, England at Central St. Martin's, which is a renowned fashion school. And I went on to work with a ton of luxury fashion brands like Vivian Westwood, Stella McCartney, and then sort of transitioned more into streetwear, working with, you know, October's very own Yeezy and companies like that. And that transition, I ended up getting into cannabis actually for medical reasons and became a medical user, um, which made me really realize a huge space in the market, which was missing, which was design focused accessories as you know, a millennial woman, I didn't want to have a grinder that had a big pot leaf on it on my counter or, you know, this really like everything just seemed so dated. It felt like nothing had been reimagined for customers who were in my age group who felt fine and proud of consuming and didn't want to have a stash box under their bed. So I met Lana, who will tell you about her incredible background. And we kind of came up with this idea for Sackville & Co., which was a brand that really focused on bringing design, aesthetic, and fashion into the cannabis industry. Yeah, excellent. Lana, let's hear uh, hear your backstory. Yeah, so I came from traditional advertising to start. So I worked in-house at some ad agencies. And then I transitioned into media. So I worked at... Vice. I started there early, early days. There was like 10 people, I think, when I started and then was able to build up the experiential marketing and talent buying division at Vice and then moved on to oversee business operations and moved down to the US. I moved down to New York and then oversaw business operations for about 11 countries as we moved on with that. And then I transitioned back into marketing because I am a born and raised marketeer and I, uh, moved over to attention media and built out their experiential marketing and talent buying arm for that media company as well. And then within all the time that was happening, Haley and I had met each other and the same thing she, we were talking about the industry and ultimately I think I have a little bit more of a, of a business scope of why, where it started, but there was just such a clear market opportunity. Like Haley was saying, nobody was looking at the experience of cannabis or looking at it as a brand design. They were looking at it as something that still, you know, had to live and exist within, I think a bit of a medical space and like how they were going to communicate about THC and weed and what the flower was. And, you know, nobody was really looking at it like it was a consumer good. So like we just got together and realized we could do it all ourselves, like with our two backgrounds. And yeah, we started with one product, the Signature Grinder, and kind of never turned back. Yeah. I'm curious to hear from each of you. And Lana, why don't we start with you, just keep you going on this. I always find it's interesting people coming from other industries into cannabis and just kind of hearing what what were you able to kind of transition or, or transfer into cannabis from a kind of strategy or a skill set or a knowledge point of view? And what do you think? What did you think you would be able to transfer that you wouldn't? <laughs> and then what were you surprised by? I mean, how, how did that kind of transition go or, or what were you able to apply in terms of your previous professional background once you got into cannabis space? Yeah, I think that the cool thing about cannabis is because 
you know, we started what in 2018, I think, and we, it was still so new, like Vogue and outlets like that were not writing about cannabis. So there just wasn't a playbook. So the only thing you were able to rely on was what you did before kind of thing. So it wasn't like we'd seen any other brand come up and become this pinnacle of like, okay, what did they do and how are we going to follow that? It was the wild west and we're still, you know, learning on our own. But I think the biggest thing is that from day one, we never looked at Sackville as a cannabis company. We really looked at it as a consumer good with the understanding that at some point, the entire world is going to see this as a consumer good, the same way that we design products and a lifestyle around alcohol or building in something that makes it a really like luxurious piece or something that you can completely design your purchases around your lifestyle with. So we, from the beginning, from our retail strategy to how we marketed, the way that we considered the brand was something that was completely a lifestyle consumer good. So that was just pulled from how I developed and worked with brands in the past. And I think operationally, like my experience, I have that weird set where I really came from marketing and branding and then also was able to live within the business kind of development side and and that operational growth. And that's just like the fundamentals of business maintain. You still structure yourself the same way, but because you're dealing with like we've had products seized, you know, lawsuits over things that we didn't know, like Prop 65 is is an example of something that, you know, you didn't really know could touch what you were doing, or we still deal with customs issues and all this stuff. So there's just, and regulations, like it's just, you have to be willing to pivot. There's not a ton outside of just a normal business structure that you can rest your hat on because you're just, you're a bit of a sitting duck at a lot of times. Yeah. How about for you? Like, what were some of the things you've been able to transfer and what what were challenges? Yeah, I think it was interesting because we ended up working with a lot of the factories that I've had longstanding relationships with for, you know, over 10 years. And a lot of them were at first a little cautious about, you know, developing cannabis goods and and what that meant for them. So it was also, you know, educational in terms of what this product category can really look like if they grew with us. And then the other side of it is also there are a lot of lifestyle goods that we produce because we are about creating, you know, really holistic understanding of what cannabis consumption looks like. So maybe that is you're going to the beach with friends and you are going to have your pack of joints, but you also want a nice beach towel or other accessories that fit alongside. So I think it's been interesting because on one side, there's a lot of similarity. And then on the other side, it is really really opening people's eyes to what cannabis can look like. And especially on the manufacturing side, ensuring that we're, you know, working with really, really high end great manufacturers to produce things that we know have the aesthetic look, but also have the utility that we're after. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about kind of product design or product concepts around this. Cause you mentioned, you know, you started with a grinder, like what kind of product strategy, the aesthetic strategy, the functional strategy, I mean, how did you look at this differently than, you know, just having a, a box with a green cannabis leaf on it, right? <laughs> like, what's, What was the new approach that you took? Well, we first wanted to start by looking at like your, your core basics with cannabis consumption. So we originally decided to focus on flower and Sackville & Co really is a flower focused brand. And so for that, we decided to focus on, you know, a grinder, rolling papers, cones, because a lot of people, especially women and people new in cannabis, are not really comfortable with rolling. So cones was a big thing for us. And wanting to look at it as an object that you'd want to have out on a bar cart or on a shelf or 
on your coffee table and not feel like there was some stigma around that of having it on display. So we really approached it as we would with any sort of design object. So thinking about how we would want pieces in our home and how we could approach that same aesthetic from a cannabis standpoint. Uh, and, and target market, target demographic, tell us a little bit about who you're really focused on in terms of providing products for. Yeah, we started out, you know, the, it's still the same kind of like startup story in a way where it was just the two of us. It's self-funded. You, you're really producing products that you want and you're, the way you're producing them is based on what you can afford and that kind of stuff. So we started really just designing almost for us like what, which were, were millennials. So it was like, what do we think is beautiful? What do we like? This was a, this was a, a brand that was really a symbol of the way that we saw the world. And it was something that just really organically evolved. Like as we were producing, you know, photography and expanding our product lines and these pieces, we saw this Gen Z audience really tag along and start supporting the growth of what we were doing. So it's been something that's really fun, I think, to see that the way we're producing is relating to Gen Z and millennial audience. It wasn't necessarily by design to start. I think by design, we were just making shit we thought was beautiful and like whoever, whoever liked it, liked it kind of thing. Yeah, I think that that is right. And, you know, Lana and I always joke about the fact that we get pigeonholed as a brand for women. And that is because we are women. (laughs) (laughs) Different, different between by women, for women. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, design is for anyone. And I think that a Gen Z audience seems to understand that a bit more sometimes than other audiences where your product does not have to be gendered to you. You can just like the design of it and want it on your shelf. So I think that's been really uh, great for us as well, just, you know, growing with that audience and growing the millennial side as well. And anyone else who wants a nice grinder on their shelf instead of one that they bought when they were a teenager. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And how do you, I guess, how do you relate to you know, th- these are all kind of, you know, accessories, paraphernalia, things like that, things that I would use to actually, you know, consume cannabis itself. I mean, do you have any thoughts on the actual cannabis? <laughs> like, I mean, we're, we're obviously we're dealing with this world of constantly kind of evolving kind of cultivars and strains and things. Like, I mean, like, there's so much talk about the genetic evolution of these things. I mean, is this, I guess, how does that fit into your kind of strategy or your view of the world when it comes to what people are actually consuming? Well, we actually, so we launched pre-rolls in California in January of this year. And that was something that it took us two years, a little over two years to develop. And it was with that in mind is that we really care about the cannabis side. And I think there's a ton of brands that right now that, you know, we all know and love that are a little bit more, you know, taking product that is white labeled, putting their logo on it. And there's not necessarily the care considered of, what that experience is and in terms of the high, like the actual strains and the taste and what that is for your brand. And that was something that was really, really important to us is that if we're going to launch cannabis, like what is the kind of Sackville experience? What are we, we're not a strictly wellness brand. We're not a lady brand. What does this look like and how are people experiencing the actual flower side of it? So we, you know, worked with a boutique farm, Golden Seed in California, and we took over a year to work with them on strain opportunity and what their growing site 
cycles were and all these pieces and then took two strains that we felt like, you know, were chill and a vibe and not going to stress you the fuck out the first time you try and smoke it or something. Like they were approachable, but also not a waste of time. And, you know, worked with them to create these terpene profiles that all the flour is misted with these terpene profiles so that it actually tastes nice and you're not choking it back while you smoke. So it's something that we really care about and definitely see and believe that the trend as cannabis brands continue, as people look at cannabis as brands, not just kind of a modality for moving product, that they'll also need to care as much about what they use in flour as we are. Because the more all of these brands have realistically the exact same weed that's just packaged differently, I think the consumer is going to care more about where it's from, how it was produced, is it grown organically, what's the actual contents, and how that land is treated, like all those things. Which I think is honestly another reason why Gen Z is interested in what we're doing because as a brand you really do need to care about more than just the product you're putting out you kind of need to care about how you're putting it out what the message is and how you're contributing and you know you can't really it's not okay anymore to leave the world in a worse place than it was i'm curious like what what goes into that because i i get the the sensibility or the kind of bigger view or you know, the desire to make sure we're creating products that are sustainable and are doing good in the world beyond just not doing harm, but actually doing good in the world. What does that look like in, in cannabis or what are the factors? I mean, we, you know, obviously the, the growing practices and, you know, packaging and things like that, but what else goes into creating a brand that really kind of addresses that kind of the broader sensibilities of, of associating with a product? For how many kick it off, Hales, I know you probably have some great thoughts. We, from the start of it, I think it's just like, inherently understanding the things you don't know and leaning on people and teams and other organizations that can help you build a conscious brand. And so, you know, there's all the way from the experience of understanding, especially within America, what the impact of the war on drugs did and how all there's still a massive marginalized population that is being impacted as we speak, you know, we need teams of people and organizations to help us be a brand that speaks to the things that need to be spoken about. And, you know, that's the inherent piece of it all. And we work with, we partnered with really incredible companies like the Tender Project. So we give 5% of our sales to the Tender Project, which is a company that is a nonprofit that's working to create a universal income for women who have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And we create some capsule collections and different things to really raise awareness. And that's, we just do those things because we also don't believe that you can make a difference by like talking at someone. You kind of got to make something that they want and then they're doing good and learning and they're not, it's not something that you're talking at them about all the things they're doing wrong. And that's kind of just the start of it. Then all the way through, like through packaging, like you're saying, the way that you consider what factories you work with, the way we consider what kind of products and where they're made and how they're made is something that is really important as well. Yeah. The only thing I was going to add to that is, you know, education. Like we definitely take a different approach to education. I think we want it to be fun and playful and inviting for our audience. So they feel really comfortable to ask any of those questions about cannabis, about flour, about the industry in general. 
and are also really open to being educated by our audience and really learning from them in terms of what they want to see, where they want us to put our dollars and, you know, how we can build the brand and support the things. We're not, you know, ultimately we're not a brand that's built in a boardroom. So we have the ability to really interact with our audience and take feedback and learn and be able to pivot really, really quickly because, you know, this is, this is, it's the two of us, like anything that goes out is from us and any decision made is the two of us on a quick call and and pivoting. So it's like, it's something that I think every brand should be doing, but obviously the more, the more voices involved in a brand, the harder it gets. Yeah. And and where are we with branding and cannabis? I mean, I know five years ago, I think everything was just basically how much THC can I pump into the into the plant. But you know, in terms of really differentiating yourself, figuring out what your product segments is or your market segments are, like how have you seen kind of the whole kind of art of branding evolve in cannabis? And and what do you, how do you think this is going to play out? You know, in the future as the industry evolves, we've actually had a really interesting perspective because of Sackville Studios. So that was just born out of need in a way in 2020. Like we had some brands come up to us and ask us to support designing some products for them, and it's just taken off. And because we're able to see from that that inside kind of backdoor side of what brands are doing and how we're developing the products along with them, like every single brand, I think, has realized that. There's no consumer recognition yet. Nobody really, you know, even Haley and I read an article just the other day of how celebrity brands are still something that are struggling. Like it's not enough even still to just put a celebrity name in front of the brand and have an audience all of a sudden be like, amazing. Like I think it was, what was the stat? Jay-Z made his cannabis line made like 700,000 in revenue or something, which of course for him would be much less yeah. than probably the cost of the endeavor. Um, yeah, so it's like there's still, you know, a ton of brands and that's why Sackville Studios exists and we're super grateful for it because they need help cutting through. First of all, they all ran to market. I think exactly what we're saying, like flower, 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 and yeah. didn't make didn't take time to create a voice or build a community or have people, you know, actually participate in their brand beyond tenders realistically and so now all of those brands are needing a voice products that you know are outside of the actual flower whether they're sold in dispensaries or they're products that people can buy or that you know merch wise or there's something that they're giving away in an event like there's people are finally now needing to rebrand and actually you will see and have seen a ton of rebrands like from the biggest brands out there like Cresco Labs who come to the market with brands and they're all kind of going through rebrands because I think they're realizing that that you need to create actual voice and that tone needs to carry through everything that you do. I think also it's really interesting because obviously the California market really led the way in a lot of ways in the US. And so you had a lot of companies gearing towards a California market. But obviously, the U.S. is very vast and the demographics that are you know, consuming cannabis are very vast. So we're seeing a lot more opportunity for other brands that talk to other audiences and approach them in a way that of where they are at instead of trying to just like feed them what cannabis looks like in California. So I think that's going to be a really interesting opportunity in the coming years. Yeah. And what is it? I guess what are some of the challenges about a cannabis brand? I mean, what, oh, we, fuck. 
Yeah. <laughs> Where do we start? start? We need more time. Extend this. It's like from from the completely like arbitrary advertising rules that we all live by. Like you can't, you know, we're banned from every single payment processor you can pretty much think of that would make yeah. e-commerce easy. You can't advertise on any social platform. You know, if we we can't do even in the simplest forms, you can't do like a Google ad buy. Like you can't get your name out there because we're linked to smoking or even tobacco. Like there's still we're, we fall under those rules sometimes, like all those things. And then like we've like I said, we've had products yeah. Yeah, seized like multiple times where like an entire lot of inventory, say we're bringing in 5000 units where like 300 units or a thousand units will be seized and the rest will go through like just really arbitrary it's like the, an endless supply of my stresses <laughs> that i would be more than happy to have a little therapy sesh about because every single day i wake up like what's gonna all right what's this day gonna hit yeah <laughs> And what, what do we talk a little bit about what's going on in the East Coast here? I mean, New York and New Jersey are, are coming online and, you know, obviously, you know, big markets, sort of different markets, I think. And, you know, grappling with all the things that new markets grapple with in terms of obviously the regs and getting licenses out there and actually establishing industry. I mean, what, what are you noticing about what's going on in New York and New Jersey that's exciting? What are kind of challenges? Give me some compare and contrast given some of the other markets that you've worked in. Yeah, I can kick it off. It's we, I would say all the way up until this morning, I was very excited <laughs> about New York. It, it does feel like New York has an opportunity to learn from, you know, even, even some of the mistakes I think Canada made with really, really hyper-regulating all branding and packaging and distribution and these things that made it really, really difficult for brands to exist there. And, you know, California had its same kind of issues that a lot of brands were able to, to learn from. But this morning... We saw their packaging regulations come out and advertising regulations, and it seems to be that there's still going to be quite an uphill battle to be a brand in cannabis. I think some of the good things they've done is obviously they put out licenses for formerly incarcerated individuals, which was for dispensary licenses, which no state has done yet. And there, there seems to be opportunities for more like minority groups to participate versus just kind of like an MSO sweep of the state. But um, I don't know. I'm still, I think we still are waiting to see. I think advertising is going to be just a huge piece of it. And it seems like it might be going a bit by the way of previous states where you can't really exist that easily as a brand. But it is interesting because I think that we haven't seen like the character of New York come out in cannabis yet. Uh, like we're saying that a lot of brands are built around a very like California aesthetic. I think it's going to be a really interesting opportunity to bring more of the vibe of New York, more of the aesthetic of New York and more storytelling around New York to the cannabis market. And I think that's a huge opportunity for brands to really tap into that audience and, you know, showcase what's so great about New York and, you know, how you can tell that story through a cannabis lens. Yeah. What do you think are going to be some of the differences? I mean, I, there's, you know, if you look at fashion and architecture and other, you know, there's definitely kind of stylistic differences between kind of East Coast, West Coast. How do you think this is going to play out in terms of cannabis? Well, California's like very, leaned very heavily into wellness in a lot of its cannabis uh, communications. And I think New York, 
I hope New York will lean more into art, culture, and experience. I mean, New York is like the city for culture. So I think that there's incredible opportunity for cannabis to really collaborate and work with amazing art institutions and really bridge that gap between culture, music, art, fashion in cannabis. Yeah, I think that's a really good point there. I I think that it's going to be more exponential, the breaking of the stigma, like being able to, you know, there was the first wave of California where is that like, this is actually kind of good for you and it's okay if you use it. And this next one's going to be like, not only is it okay if you use it, this is like all the historical places that it's been used, like Haley's saying, like art, culture, fashion, all of those things, you know, it's been a part of a history. And I think we'll be able to embrace that versus like give each other the okay that we had to do before. Yeah. And what do you have on your kind of roadmap? What's coming up for you um, in terms of products, events, things like that that you're excited to buy? Where, where is cannabis going for you? Ooh, we have so much stuff. We are, we have a, so we're like a New York brand. That's probably why we're so hyped about New York. Yeah. We are not a wellness brand. We are a design brand that we don't give a shit about why you smoke weed. You don't have to do it just because you don't feel good. <laughs> just go have fun. And yeah. so we have a couple collabs coming up with some really New York centric artists. And we are also moving towards launching cannabis in New York as well. So we've partnered with a legacy farm up in upstate New York that was that we're super excited about. So that's something that we're like very much gearing up to be a part of how New York evolves in this like first early days, early next year, like we want to be a part of that conversation and make sure people feel comfortable and understand that there is an expectation for brands to be brands and not to just be that vessel, like we were saying before, of like, here's your flower, but they can, it can be a whole lifestyle experience for everyone. Haley and Lana, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about the two of you, more about Sackville, what's the best way to get that information? You can find us on Instagram, which is sackville.and.co, or our website, which is sackville.co. And I'll spell that out for ease. It's S-A-C-K-V-I-L-L-E. Yeah, I think those are the best places to find us. Yeah, also follow us on TikTok. We talk more shit on there. Oh, cool. All right. I'll make sure that the handles for all of that, the URL are on the show notes so people can click through, get that information. Haley, Lana, thank you so much for being on the program. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.